Hi everyone, it's Warren. Before we get into the review, I just want to drop this note. I'm recording this after having recorded the bulk of the collision review. When I say the bulk, I mean all of it. Uh, and uh, the audio isn't great. Uh, the audio quality, I mean, is, is great. The content is great. The audio content's fantastic. It's my review, a good review of a good show, I find. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, the audio isn't quite up to par. And I apologize in advance uh, because it, I, I, it kind of makes it a little jarring to listen to. And, I, and I'm sorry if it makes the experience a little more difficult for you this week. I'm aware of it. Uh, it's my fault. I tried to clean it up. I did my best, but uh, it's still not great. We'll be back to form on the very next uh, on the very next recording. Trust me. But uh, yeah, apologies again. Very, very sorry. Thank you for being here. Nonetheless, let's get to the review. Hello everyone, welcome to another AEW Collision Review here on the Mr. Warren Hayes Show channel on youtube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes or on your favorite podcast application. This is what we do on Sundays and it is Sunday, it is October 22nd. We are going to be talking about the dynamite from last night, October 21st. I gotta tell you, straight off the bat, I really liked last night's collision. Uh, and I think I ha do I need to underscore this a little more? I don't want to come across as condescending because I really love you guys, my audience, my A plus audience. This last week, I last week, I basically my my review last week, as you you know, if you watched it, listened to it last week, was very short, uh, condensed. But again, like I said in the preface, as I was leading into it, saying this was a nothing show. I felt it was skippable. So, you know, no point in going like 60 minutes on this one. Nothing happened on this show. So we're just going to breeze through it. Just going to get get through it, you know, review what we need to review and, and, and hit the bricks because it was just nothing. And a lot of people took that as I didn't like the show, despite the fact that throughout the show, the review, I was saying, oh, I like this. This was fun. There were, but they're observably speaking outside of the main event, which was tremendous. You know, everything was fine, but nothing happened. There was nothing, and 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 I promise you, if you go back and you listen to the audio, I would be I would be shocked if I said at any time during that review, I didn't like this. This was bad, or even that I said. Maybe I said this about a few things, but I didn't say the show was bad. I said it was skippable because nothing happened. And I still stand by that. I never, ever, ever said this was a bad show. Because I had, you know, very judicious comments being posted in the, in the, in the, uh, on the video on YouTube. I'll just right out stating, flat out stating, Warren. I I like the show. That's fine. I didn't say that the show was bad. I didn't say I didn't hate the show either. I just said skippable. We can move along. As of but you see and 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 I want to I want to I'm bringing that up because I want to contrast this with uh with today's review of the October 21st Dynamite as the complete opposite. As a show where shit is happening, you're having good to great matches throughout, maybe outside one. But then again, anyway, we'll say as we go along. Uh, like, there's stuff happening. Angles are being developed, created. We've got things happening. Like, this was 
an eventful collision. This was something where I'm like, you can't, you should not skip this one because there's too much stuff happening. Plus, on top of that, you're going to be entertained with by a, a an easy breezy two hours of pro wrestling. Does that make sense? And again, I don't, you know, I don't want anyone to feel bad for leaving those comments. I just found it strange. Whereas I, I never said the show was bad. I'll tell you when I think a show was bad. I'll straight. I'll tell you this was bad. This sucks. This stinks. I have a variety of uh, adjectives I can use to express my disdain, my dislike of something. You know, I'm literate. I went to school. I have a degree. <laughs> I've read James Joyce, Ulysses, my literary nemesis. I know, like, I know it. it, it Ulysses by James Joyce is supposed to be is considered, widely considered, a seminal work of literary art. And I understand it. And I understand the form, the function of it. And I understand what he was trying to do, you know, with the run-on sentences, the, you know, the entire chapters without punctuation. I, like, you know, I know what he was trying to do. I cannot conquer that novel. I just cannot do it. It is, I, I've, I've tried. I've tried in the context of school, I've tried it in the context of me personally trying to do it, but I just can't. My literary nemesis is James Joyce. <laughs> what, a, what a tangent already. Let's get to the show. Let's get to the review. Thank you for being here. Hey, likes and likes and subscriptions on YouTube and, and uh, ratings and reviews over on the podcast side of thing. Those things are pretty cool. October 21st, uh, from Memphis, Tennessee, the FedEx Forum, just shy of 3,000 people in attendance. The woes go on. The woes continue. And this was a this was a triple-decker of a show, right? Because then you, they also had the Battle of the Belts. FYI, we're not talking about Battle of the Belts here. We're, we're trying to stay focused and streamlined here on the reviews. I, but I will most likely be reviewing... Battle of the Belts um, this uh, this Tuesday on the Mr. Warren Hay Show proper when we record it, then available the next day on demand and on podcast. By the way, if you, I apologize if you hear in the background um, the squeals of children. It is just you know the kids that I've kidnapped. And no, I'm kidding. My son has friends over, and there's only so much I can do. There's only there's only so much soundproofing a man can do before the be, before uh, before the squeals of teenagers invade him. Trust me, I've tried. So we start off right out the bat with Brian Danielson defeating Andrade El Idolo. Why did I say it like that? Andrade El Idolo, Idolo, Andrade El Idolo, Idolo. Sounds like I'm yodeling. It's not what that was not my intent. Um, this was our dream match that Tony Khan had announced on social media. Um, and I absolutely 100% with great gusto and confidence would not call this a dream match. Uh, maybe it is a dream match for Andrade to, you know, be booked on TV against big opponents and, uh, you know, just have something to do. Maybe it that, if, 
<laughs> Stop complaining. Um, I'm kidding, of course. Or am I? Uh, but no, like this one, look, maybe I got myself a little wrapped up, right? And, you know, I myself got uh, particularly excited. You know, I am not invulnerable to, to getting, you know, getting my hopes up, dare I say, getting worked. You know, when promoters start promoting and do promoter stuff, like saying we got a dream match coming on Collision. And then you have, see, in the context of CMLL this week announcing that they, you know, that they were setting up this relationship with AEW and that, you know, they even put out a statement saying how much they appreciated the the the, the welcome that AEW put out for Mystico and the CMLL staff that came. And then watching Mystico versus Rocky Romero on Friday on Rampage, you know, all this context. Maybe, and then Brian Danielson, let's be honest, Brian Danielson, you know, when he... When he quote tweeted the 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 Mystico Rocky Romero um, announcement, and he said, "You know what that means?" You know, I got myself onto the Blue Panther hype. I was like, "Oh, is Danielson finally going to get like his literal?" I believe that is his literal dream match. I believe this is like, you know, I I I I I, I believe this is a match that he absolutely wants to do. Like, for him, this would be an apex moment uh, to wrestle one of the all-time great luchadors in Blue Panther, a guy that has influenced Danielson in his career, that he's uh, cited numerous occasions that he has an influence on uh, on how he wrestles. So, maybe I let myself get carried into the, the, the wave. And I was like, oh shit, is Blue Panther going to show up you know, he was working Arena Mexico on Friday, but, you know, then you take a, you know, you take a bus, you take a, <laughs> you take a, <laughs> you don't t- take the Greyhound out of Mexico, all up to Memphis. No, no, but, it, you know, it may, it, it was, it was possible, you know, we were all putting, knocking our heads together, going, but no, that's not, really, that's not exactly what happened. <laughs> So, um, it's a shame, really. <laughs> but look, look, here's the thing, is that we ended up with a great match. It's just like, it's not the dream match. You know, on the dream match thing, I'm trying to think, wasn't there another occasion where Tony Khan had used, oh, this is a dream match, and everyone's like, Tony, really? But he's he's been fairly... He hasn't been liberal in his use of dream match. Um, and he, he he generally doesn't have the... Uh, he, he, he typically doesn't go too hard on it, you know? But I think here, he, he pressed on the gas a little much. A little, he went on it a little hard. No? Yes? Maybe? Anyway. This was great. Anyway, the match was great. Started off with some groundwork, some back and forth between the two, which was really fun. But then Danielson lands a strike, and then that fires everyone up. You know, that first, they're like, they're doing the ground game. They're shaking hands. You know, it's like, all right, this is dope. The audience is into it. I'm into it. And then Danielson's like, no, all right. Slap. And then this this goes to another level. Busaikuni off the apron by Danielson, who also drives Andrade into the post and starts working his shoulder for the remainder of the match. Of course, you know, softening it up for the label lock. 
Uh, Andrade fights back with a flying forearm. Springboard drop kicks Danielson off the top rope to the floor. He lands a golden triangle as well, the split-legged moonsault. Shotgun missile dropkick by Danielson. Uh, Andrade then goes for the moonsault into the standing moonsault, but Danielson lifts the knees on the standing moonsault part. Uh, locks in the label lock, which Andrade fight, fights out of and uh, gets uh, Danielson then into a figure four. There's some back and forth that happens afterwards. Very exciting stuff that leads into a series of near falls, but... Uh, Danielson gets the win with the crucifix. I I thought this was great. I thought this was a legitimate great match. Fantastic. Blessed to see this on television. This is what AEW is about. Just giving me cool matches week in, week out. This was great. I loved it. Then after the match, lights go out to come back on. Malachi Black is right there standing in the middle of the ring. And he just black masses uh, Danielson right, in the, right on the button. Plump! And then the clam digger, as Nigel would say, just collapses into a heap of brittle bones. Oh, that was great. Look, I, I have, this is very personal. I have a very uh, uh, peculiar relationship how about that? With um, uh, a very peculiar relationship with uh, uh, Malachi Black, um, Alistair Black, Tommy and whatever you want to call it. You know, NXT is is legitimately where I discovered Tommy and not going to lie. Uh, not going to pretend that I was, you know, locked into his career, career beforehand. Uh, but I, I got to the point where where I was watching, uh, where, you know, where I was watching everything he did, and, and I thought he was phenomenal, just a phenomenal pro wrestler, a, a big fan. Gets called up to the main roster. He has a, a a very good run, despite the fact that they never did anything with him. You'll remember the Malachi Black. Um, you'll remember the the, the Alistair Black, I should say, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, undefeated streak up in WWE, which they never really turned into a storyline, but he was just week after week coming in, destroying fools, and then goes to AEW um, and and uh, and has this uh, tremendous initial push with Cody. And then things just sort of, you know, taper off. I'm not quite sure what, what he's doing. I'm not quite sure if he's into pro wrestling anymore. I'm like, what is he doing? And, and he's sort of, you know... He, take some time off and and that's fine like you know I don't want to I don't want to uh, chastise anyone who has to, he has to take time for their mental health you know absolutely everyone has to decompress and 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 get their get things realigned sometimes I can only imagine how fucking stressful and intense working in pro wrestling as a talent is so I understand all of this and I'm not bitter about him. But then, you know, I feel like ever since, ever since like the House of Black really became like a trios, I feel like he's been disinterested, like he doesn't want to be there. I feel like in House of Black matches, he's always been the guy putting in the less, the minimal amount of effort. You know, it's either Brody or Buddy. Either way. But him, he's always like very, and I'm like, do you even want to be here? Is this, a, you know, 
Because if you don't want to be here and you don't want to wrestle, that's fine. Go back to a place where you'll be comfortable. You know, and it's not even a question of bitterness. It's just like, I want to see Malachi Black and any pro wrestler give everything they have when the opportunities that are presented to them. I don't want to see them go out and skulk. I don't, that's not fun. It's fun for no one. It's not fun for them. And ultimately, it, it rubs into the audience. And I'm like, I don't want to see that either. It, it turned, you know. So I, he gave me a really weird vibe. So I'm hoping that this program they're developing, right? Because this entire show is about the House of Black, right? The House of Black is getting the, the good old pushy push here. I would assume moving forward that Malachi and crew are going to be in the center of something and our boy Tom End is going to get motivated again. He's going to get that spark back and he's going to get back into the ring and, and, and kick some ass. This is what I'm, this is what I'm hoping for, you know, and if it doesn't work out and I, I, I beg Alistair, Tom, Malachi to go back to wherever he wants and 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 refine the joy of being a pro wrestler. That this is essentially what I'm what I'm hoping. But like to me, this like I feel like this is the test, right? This is the litmus test. Do do you still have it? I mean, and when I say have it, I mean the passion. Do you still have the the thrill? Can you convey a tremendous match for me? And if he's going into a feud with Danielson, or for that fact, anyone in the BCC. And I'm talking a singles feud. Um, that's your. That's absolutely your litmus test right there. And I'm excited for it. I'm looking forward to seeing what they have for for our boy here for for uh, for Black. Especially if you know Danielson is next up. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, let's fucking go. Let's do this. We get a video of Darby Allen. Talking about Nick Wayne and, you know, Nick Wayne being mad that fans were angry at him. And basically Darby Allen saying, get the fuck off Twitter, which is an endorsement, you know, that I um, also echo. Get off Twitter. He'll be on Dynamite, he being uh, Darby on Wednesday. So if Nick Wayne has something to say, he can say there. So we're probably setting up a segment there. Sky Blue in her Scooby-Doo mystery machine gear comes out to uh, squash a Hollywood Haley J who can hit the bricks if you ask me. But as far as Sky Blue goes, um, <laughs> here's something. Look, as far as she goes, the the... Like, I know they're doing the, you know, the mist and the attitude stuff, but coming out with Scooby-Doo gear, <laughs> like, it's a little, I, it's, it's a little bit of a dichotomy, right? There's a, it's a little, it's a little off, you know, where you'd think she'd be, you know, she'd be all hot topic gothy, right? Look, she probably had the gear made for Halloween and... And just like, look, I, I got to get my money's worth out, out of this. And I, and I like the gear. I know a lot of people are like, are like what? what the fuck? I think it's fine. She even has the little, you know, the, the Scooby-Doo um, um, metal, you know, and what it doesn't like. It doesn't bother me, but it's just a little off. It's a little it, it, it's a little off when she's like supposed to be brooding, you know, an L angsty. 
When I think of brooding and angsty, I do not think of Scooby-Doo and Shaggy and Fred and Velma and Daphne and Scrappy-Doo and uh, Scooby-Dum and uh, who else was Vincent Price. You remember when Vincent Price was uh, was on, uh, he was uh, the, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. You remember that? Vincent Price was on the show doing Vincent Price, basically. No? My old? I, Scooby-Doo is, is formative for me. It is part of my youth. I consumed so much Scooby-Doo. I thought it was great. And I saw a lot of, tons of the iterations. You know, of course, Scooby-Doo, where are you? Then they had the, uh, the Scooby-Doo hour, whatever they called it. Um, you know where they'd have guests they'd have guest cartoon or in, in cartoon shape you know with like Batman and Robin but then they'd also have like Mama Cass you know from um, what was the name of the band California Dreamin like she was on that and, and, and not like a parody like her her like her voice uh, her they had the monkeys I believe too you know all of these like you know late 60s 70s outfits and they had the Harlem Globetrotters on there too at some point. Scooby-Doo and the Harlem Globetrotters solving mysteries. I should try to... No one has those on any streaming platform and, and probably because of all the... Probably because of all the IPs, the all, all the IP crossovers that happen because... I would love to go back and see that and watch it as an adult and see how fucking campy it was. It's wild when you think about it. Anyway, did I say Sky Blue basically just just made short work of Hollywood Haley J who can hit the bricks? Yeah, I did. Okay. The Guns defeated the Outrunners, Truth Magnum and Turbo Floyd, the, you know, the uh, you know Nigel gets it when it comes to the outrunners, right? Talking about how Turbo Floyd won the Jesse the Body Award in 1984, like he, he like he gets it. He knows what the shtick here is. This was essentially a bit of a a bit of a squash match as well by the Guns, who win with the uh, seven ten eight three ten eight ten 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 three two one to Yuma. Um. After the match, the lights go out and the devil appears on screen. So we're doing all these lights out gimmicks for the House of Black, but we're also doing one for the devil. You know, if I'm if I'm running production here, I'm like, you know what? The only time we're not going to do a lights out thing is for this because it was like the signature for all of the House of Black stuff happening during the, the, the show. But nonetheless... The devil shows up on screen. There's MJF chants and the Bullet Club. They stare around, you know, and Jay White is directing traffic. He's like, yeah, look behind you. He's like, we're not going to fall for that is what he, I think you actually hear him say that. So clearly in this whodunit, who attacked the Bullet Club, gold, um, clearly everyone is buying that it's MJF. Where it quite obviously is not because they're ham-fisting this. So, like, if it is MJF, I'm like, maybe it's Vince McMahon. Anyway, 
non-title match for the uh, non-title match. The you can not for the it can't be for the something if it's non-title, but it's uh, look the ROH World Champion in a non-title match. Eddie Kingston was defeated by Jeff Jarrett in a Memphis street fight. Wild and wacky match as Kingston fought off the entirety of Jarrett's crew here. And this match starts, I'm like, uh-oh, Eddie's got a white jersey on. Uh-oh. And he does blade in the match. Uh, and there's concession stuff everywhere, right? Because that's what everyone sort of went to. Um... Because, uh, you know, we're doing the throwback to Memphis and the, the, the concession uh, stand fights. And, uh, you know, David Brown is there as well for commentary. So, I, you know, I'm like, ah, they're going to go into the concession. But no, they brought the concessions to ringside, which is not as fun. You know, it's a little more, a little more contrived. I don't know. Not as, not, not as fun. Made me a little sad. But... This was still pretty fun. Jay Lethal cutters uh, uh, Eddie Kingston off the stage through a table and this obviously the spot of the match. Just tremendous stuff. Uh, I see a barbed wire bat be pulled down and I think it was in rubber. Again, as I said, as I've talked about multiple times, don't do that. Don't do that. I This is something that I absolutely expect NXT to do, but AEW, come on. Just don't, don't do the spot. Don't pull out a phony barbed wire match, uh, barbed wire bat. Just, it looked like it was in rubber and it didn't seem, you know, Jeff Jarrett uses it on, on Eddie's back and it doesn't seem to tug at the, at the, the jersey, you know, as barbed wire would be want to do. Um, so that kind of sucks. Just don't do it, you know? It's like, oh, Warren, but you want wrestlers to get hurt? No, I just, here's the thing. If you, if you're going to pull out a barbed wire match, a barbed wire bat, excuse me, pull out a barbed wire bat. Don't do the rubber thing because then you're just insulting my intelligence. Then I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh, okay, this is, this is dumb. The, you know, it's baby's first hardcore match. And especially with Eddie Kingston, no, no, no like, don't do it. You you have the choice then to not do the spot. You have the choice to not pull out that as a weapon. Just don't do it. Kingston machine gun chops and uh, backfists uh, Jeff Jarrett just as he's about to El Kabong him. And it's uh, Satnam Singh who gets El Kabonged by Kingston using the guitar straight on his head. Jeff Jarrett lands the stroke, but uh, Kingston kicks out. Why? Because Jarrett celebrated as he usually does after doing the stroke. He has this moment where he goes, yes, I'm going to win. He does it every fucking time. And every fucking time, he takes too much time to celebrate and the guy kicks out. So the match continues, but everyone gangs up on Kingston. He gets chokeslammed by uh, 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 Satnam Singh. He eats another stroke by Jarrett and the lethal injection by uh, by Jay Lethal. And uh, Jeff Jarrett get, then gets the pin off of all of those things, destroying Eddie Kingston. So, of course, this was the expected result because they're setting up Jay Lethal for Eddie Kingston's next big challenger, uh, probably at the uh, next um, Ring of Honor pay-per-view for the Ring of Honor world title, of course. I thought this was, I think all of this is masterfully done. Don't get me wrong. I think all of this is, this is a, you know, it started off with a promo, right? Last week. 
with Jay Lethal just spitting fire at, at Kingston. Kingston doing his reply. Then they have Ilya saying, look, if Jeff Jarrett can beat me, I'm going to give you your title match. And there you go. And throughout this match with the big spots, the, the big spot and lethal landing, the lethal injection as the last finisher of the, the, the three that was that were sequenced here at the very end. Wasn't the stroke that ended the match, it was the lethal injection. Lethal is positioned as a strong challenger. I like this. Make and it makes a lot of sense. And then later on, why don't we skip ahead a little bit? Then this is all, you know, compounded even further with Eddie Kingston delivering a tremendous A plus promo. He's being tended by medical staff backstage, and and uh, you know he said, "I'm you know lethal. I made you jump through hoops because." Uh, uh, for this title shot, because you know he he knows that this isn't the Jay Lethal he used to know. He, the Jay Lethal he used to know really loved this business, but then he started, you know, associating with that uh, that carny son of a bitch. Talking about uh, Jeff Jarrett, he used to hang with Lethal, but he's not a man anymore. He's Jeff Jarrett's little bitch. And he doesn't want to bring his family into this, you know, but, I, you know, I know your mother and you, your mother comes to these matches. She comes to your matches and I don't want you to bring your, your mother to this match, Jamal. He's using a shoot name here. Don't bring your mother to this match, Jamal, because I'm going to have to beat you within an inch of your life in front of your beautiful mother. Like, perfect, awesome, intense, hard-on-sleeve Eddie Kingston. Another tremendous promo I am into this match. I am into, leave it to Eddie Kingston to get me into a Jay Lethal match in 2023. Well done. Like, this is well done. I don't need, do we get into this? But look, this is a very simple story and it's connecting and it's working and it makes sense. Some good hype. I'm looking forward to this match now. And well, let's back up. Uh, go back into uh, chronological order here. The acclaimed are interviewed by Lexi Nair. Lexi Nair, by the way, we have to point out how she has improved as a backstage interviewer persona, right? Uh, she's grown into her character. She's grown into... She's developed the confidence, you know, she's uh, she's not as stiff as she once was. She's a lot, uh, you know, she feels a lot more in control. I thought she showed a lot of personality here tonight. I It just jumped at me. And I'm like, because I, I remember when she started and we were sort of like, oh, she's fine. You know, she's a mic stand. But now she's, no, she's developing something. There's a little more personality to what she's doing. Anyway, Max Caster, they're do, look, she's with the acclaim. They do the Max Caster, his awkward one round women thing. I, I I don't know. And they talk about their upcoming match with the uh, Jericho Appreciation Society cast-offs. Okay, like, it's it's fine. Like, not for me. Then we get Miro defeating Action Andretti. So, of course, the story here is that, I wanted to call her Lana, CJ Perry is managing Action Andretti, but she comes out herself with her own entrance she doesn't come out with her charge with you know she she walks out all by her lonesome 
And for the entirety of the match, she seems to be more into what Miro is doing than Action Andretti. Whenever Action Andretti gets the upper hand on stuff, camera cuts to her and she's, you know, she's, she doesn't look thrilled. I'm like, well, interesting relationship you have here. But this was a good TV match, I found. Uh, Miro, Miro just, he just wallops Action Andretti out of the air with a sledge, right? He's flying off the ropes and he, blomp, just a tremendous sledge. And then, um, look, Miro just pummels Andretti, laying him out with big right hands. He's essentially playing with his food for the duration of this match. Uh, Andretti, of course, gets a comeback spot with flying moves. That ends with the Topic on Hilo, gets the crowd really hot. Uh, and Andretti rolls out of a game over, finisher move, right, into a pin attempt that gets two of close two to big reactions from the crowd, right? Because we've seen Andretti pull off the upset that one time and that still sticks it's still with them like oh shit like it is believable that this job guy might get the uh might get the upper hand on an established name so that was a close near fall that a lot of people bit on got the spinning ddt and a 450 but miro kicks andretti and locks him into the game over proper for the win I thought this was a fun little TV match. More than a squash. Less than a competitive back and forth. But good for... To establish Miro as a force that he wants to go through uh, uh, CJ's charges. But CJ again was up applauding Miro. Do you think her end game here is that she's... You know, she's trying to awaken a spark within Miro by ha associating herself with other people and Miro having him come around eventually to yeah you know we need to be a duo again you bring the best out of me kind of thing you think that might be welcome to the scat portion of the show not yeah Um, the JAS cast-offs are there with uh, Lexinaire again. Uh, they reiterate that they're all on the same page, right? They bury, they they squash their beef, you know, with Jake Hager. Uh, I think it was on Rampage, right? They did all this. They shake, they shook hands, and but uh, you know, Daddy Magic Matt Menard gets the mic and basically, you know, he says, "Yo, we all had breakfast this morning. And there was wasn't any dancing, which was a shot at Dan Garcia." Garcia, Garcia sort of, I thought we were good now. And, and Anna Jay's like, motherfuckers. You know, it's all right. Anna Jay needs to get back to, you know, she needs to do what she, what she used to do to the Dark Order to keep them all in line. Be the, the, the dead mother and tell all these, these clowns to calm the fuck down, right? Uh, and that transitions into Ruby Soho arriving because they had more time. Since the interview was cut short, Lexi had, well, I have more time. Here's Ruby Soho, who basically says that, you know, everyone says that they deserve a championship. I deserve a championship. There we go. Uh, then we had the Eddie Kingston promo. We already talked about that. Then we had Bad Thad Brown. Bad Thad Brown and Darian Bankston versus FTR. This went to a no contest. As the lights went out during early, early on in the match, uh, and the House of Black attacked. 
Brody and Buddy took out Cash and Dax. Who knows what happened to Darian Bingston and Bad Thad Brown? Who knows? Maybe one day we will find out. And this led us to the main event where Big Bill and Ricky Stark successfully retained the AEW World Tag Team title against Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Utah of the Blackpool Combat Club. This was good, a strong, solid main event. Nothing that'll blow your mind, but a strong, solid 20-odd minutes of pro wrestling. I, I have no complaints. This was good. Utah wrestles Starks at first. But then, of course, Big Bill tags in and the champs get a big heat segment here with Yuta being the Ricky Mortonist of all the Ricky Mortons. And they actually do, the they being the heels, they do a good job keeping Castagnoli from tagging in as well, you know, playing against some of the tropes as well that, we're start, that we've seen, you know, when, you know, uh, another guy from, a guy from another team runs around to trip the guy trying to get the tag trips him off the, the apron, you know, and that's sort of become a tired trouble. Claudio said, oh, I see, I saw you coming, but he still ate shit because, because the, the, the champs are champs. I liked it. Uh, but uh, Claudio finally does get the hot tag where he pummels Ricky Starks and does the rope walk dance thing. Um, Starks avoids the big swing, though, superplexed by Claudio. Wheeler Yuta gets back in. He eats some big moves. Claudio with a pumping bomber, big swing, drop kick combo by the BCC as well, which uh, follows by a cover and it's Big Bill that breaks up the pin. The House of Black then interfere. They just show up, run some interference, distract the ref, which allows uh, they take out, uh, which allows them to take out Claudio Castagnoli. And in the meantime, uh, and then after that, I should say, a spear on Wheeler Utah by Ricky Starks, followed by the Rochambeau gets the win. After the match, the heels all band together to continue the beatdown. Brian Danielson runs in for the save. He gets overwhelmed. FTR runs in for the save. They get overwhelmed. John Moxley comes in. I I wrote in my notes, runs in, but no, no, no. Mox does not run. Mox Mox walks with purpose. He is a he's effectively, effectively, you know, a Michael Myers type. Where he's just, I'm going to, once I reach the ring, you guys are dead. And that's essentially what happened. He cleared house. Great schmas at the end. Uh, baby faces on top. They start taking turns on Ricky Starks eating shit. Uh, what more do you want here? Fantastic finish. This is the kind of, this is the kind of finish I love. And sets up a whole, so this show, through the House of Black, has set up a bunch of stuff. Bunch of angles. A bunch of possibilities. In which we will legitimately, or at least at the very least, seeds for the future, right? Because I know what happened in, you know, at the start of Battle of the Belts, you know, um, Mox and, 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 and Orange Cassidy sort of bumped into each other and they went at it, right? So clearly we're going to set that up probably for a rematch at full gear. At least that's what I'd do. Um, so, you know, maybe we're not going to get Mox involved in the... House of Black stuff immediately, but the seeds are there. Danielson and Malachi, I'm all for that. Um, Buddy and uh, 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 Buddy Murphy and uh, Buddy Matthews and Brody King, 
NFTR, let's fucking go. Like that's fresh. That that that's fresh. All of this is fresh. So I'm like, okay. I, I cannot but not be excited about this. This is all good stuff. It's it, it, it and I'm excited to see in which directions this all goes. This is starting to feel like AEW again. We're not like, you know, spending our time pulling vignettes and doing like, you know, drawn out, boring, unfunny skits. We're focusing on wrestling angles, focusing on the cool wrestlers we have. What are the cool matches we want? All I want out of AEW is cool matches. And I know, look, I know Tony Khan can put cool matches together because we've got one on Friday. We're getting another one on Wednesday. They're flying Kazuchika Okada in to team with Orange Cassidy against Claudio and Mox. I'm like, okay, there you go. I think AEW's back, baby. It's the formula that worked. More of this, more Kenny Omega, more of the elite. I don't think the... I think this is, I think that's a formula for success. I think that's something that works. I'm excited. This was good. This was a, this was a good episode of Collision. <laughs> I really liked it. Okay. Are we clear? <laughs> no, but look, like I said, lots of stuff happening on this show. A great opener. Good matches afterwards. What more do you want? And stuff happening throughout the show. Like, just stuff happening throughout the show. It's good stuff. So, there you have it. That's my review. Hope you liked it. If you did, leave a like on YouTube. Even if you didn't, leave a like on YouTube, please. <laughs> if you uh, uh, And subscribe if you'd like more of this. I will, of course, be back on uh, on on Tuesday evening here on YouTube to record the Mr. Warren Hayes Show Live. Otherwise, it will be available on demand and everywhere else on your podcast application, so on and so forth, on Wednesday. So, why don't you also leave a five-star review or a five-star rating uh, on Apple, on Spotify? That would be fantastic. So, uh, hope you all have a great rest of your Sunday, of your weekend, or whenever you've decided to listen to this. And I'll see you next time.